What a buckley fried. Two girls decide. What's in, what's out. And what it's all about. This is Spike. And this is Elkis. And welcome to another episode of Vocally Fried. A podcast about what's in, what's out, and what it's all about. And today we're talking about it. We, two white women with vocal fry, finally went to the epicenter of it all. Comedy, podcast, vocal fry, toxic whiteness. Gentrification. (laughs) Brooklyn, New York. This episode is all about New York City and about our adventures staying in Brooklyn and our hot takeaways from that wonderful, (laughs) wonderful and informative trip. I forgot that takes was short for takeaways, but you just reminded me of that. Like a hot take. (laughs) A hot takeaway. (laughs) A hot takeaway. I'm taking from the city, much like the gentrifiers. (laughs) Social commentary. So yeah, basically, Spike and I went on an incredible trip to New York City. Um, We were there for about a week. Mm -hmm. And we really went there to see all of our favorite comedians, check out all the venues that we always hear them talk about on their podcast that greatly inspires us to (laughs) work hard at Vocally Fried every day. But first and foremost, accountability is key. And we do have a big apology to give. Spike, do you want to do you want to help me apologize? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll help you. Um, So this is so embarrassing to admit to all of you friars, especially for you as an audio engineer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And me as a co-host. Yes. During the month of June, Pride Month, we recorded an amazing episode with Hissy Fit, our dear friend and pod fave. Of course. And after the fact, realized that we had not recorded but a single word of the episode, thus silencing Hissy Fit during Pride. Which is a crime against humanity. We deplatformed a queer creator during June, and we will be repenting for our sins for the rest of our lives. But our takeaway here is we're over all of this performative shit, you know? <laughs> We're queer, we're here, and we're gonna, we're going to spread queer voices all during the year. <laughs> in fact, we're even going to spread queer voices in July of all months. Which is honestly unheard of. It's groundbreaking. <laughs> so I know you might have come looking on our page saying, where's their Pride episode? Do they have Pride? We do. But you know who doesn't have Pride? Riverside. I don't know why I keep rhyming. <laughs> Riverside. That's our recording platform. Yeah, that is our recording 
supporting platform. This had nothing to do with anything we did wrong or his even not having Wi-Fi at his house. It was 100% the platform and not us. So we are, we did accidentally de-platform his event and we want to re-platform him in the month of July when mm-hmm. we completely redo that entire episode, <laughs> which was about John Waters, who is, of course, a gay icon of Baltimore. But you know what? You're going to hear it in July and you're going to you're going to learn all year about queer art and cinema and creators and healers. The funniest thing to me is that we had like an hour and a half long really performative conversation just for no one. Yeah, it <laughs> and was no truly, one will hear it. It was ever. truly just a really weird conversation for no one. I will say it was like one of our most scatterbrained episodes yet and so it was kind of a dress rehearsal and I think mm-hmm. Maybe the next one will be more refined. I think it was kind of the universe and the gods and goddesses looking out for us. Basically, we all came to the table for a John Waters episode realizing we hadn't really done enough research on John Waters, who is a filmmaker, actor, icon, the grandfather of camp, the king of filth himself. <laughs> so basically, we're going to come to the table with um, with full meals, like a feast next time. Mm-hmm. Last time it was more a charcuterie board, a very meek charcu- budget charcuterie. No, it was more of a butter board, honestly. Oh, no. We were coming to the table with a John Waters butter board, and we're going to come with a feast next time. It was kind of like if you threw every random thing in your fridge onto a table. That was kind of the content. Anything but the kitchen sink, as they say. (laughs) I'm gonna, whenever I see anything that's like, oh, it was anything but the kitchen sink salad, that actually makes me want to throw up because I just think about the kitchen sink. I know this isn't even what it's referring to, but I think I thought it was everything. But the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. So you're getting everything in your kitchen except for the sink. Mm. But I always (laughs) think you're getting food from the sink. Like, you know, when you don't of a garbage no. disposal. That's what Elka, I was imagining. Stop saying that. I'm already nauseous today, as you know. Whenever I think someone's like anything, uh, yeah, this dinner was just everything but the kitchen sink. I always think of the muck in the kitchen everything sink. Everything like, out of the kitchen drain. You, <laughs> <laughs> you took everything out of the kitchen sink that and made dinner. Disgusting. <laughs> That's incredibly gay. Um, we apologize and. Happy Pride. Pride is all year, not just June. Friendly reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to dive into the episode theme, which was New York, New York. (laughs) Yeah, as Elkis mentioned, Elkis was in Baltimore, hence the John Waters failed episode. (laughs) And then if you had heard it, you would it would all make sense. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, and we, you know, East Coast, Beast Coast, we decided just to... West Coast, Best Coast. (laughs) Bi-Coastal Besties in the house. This is kind of a Bi-Coastal Besties episode, I would have to say. Um, just two besties on the East Coast. Anyway, (laughs) we were going to New York and we had a strict deadline of getting there because we were going to go see other pod fave Gabby in New York, New York, the Broadway musical. (laughs) Musical. So we went to New York and of course, it being me and Elkis, 
we didn't really think about what time we would have to leave to get there. And so we were having a very leisurely morning, making eggs, drinking coffee, gabbing. And then we're like, okay, we need to go. New York's three hours away. We have about like three to four hours to get there. (laughs) Which I also like checked the time to get to New York at like 1 a.m. So obviously it's shorter. But I didn't question that or think like just because it's three hours doesn't mean like that's literally door to door three hours. And so we did implement a QA, a quality assessment um, process after this Mm -hmm. incident because one of us is... (laughs) I forgot about our QA process. (laughs) We are both so prone to mistakes with things like that, that it's like, honestly, like the likelihood that we're both making the mistake is still pretty high, but like, hopefully we're both making different mistakes, you know? Yeah. Our QA process, well, we have different ones, but our QA process for navigating is that we both have (laughs) navigation up on our two phones, but But mine is in Google Maps (laughs) and Elkis's is in Apple Apple Maps. Maps. So we can kind of compare and contrast. Compare, contrast, you know. And so we were already late and our original plan was to drive to Brooklyn, our Airbnb, and then take the train. But we did not factor in the time to get from here to there. So we ended up having to drive straight through the Lincoln Tunnel. The Lincoln Tunnel straight into Times Square. And why didn't I say straight into Times Square? Like genuinely? (laughs) Well, I guess we'll get there. So we found a parking garage. We're like, okay, we'll pay anything. Because we were going to see Gabby in New York, New York on Broadway. So in Times Mm -hmm. Square. And we were like almost about to miss the show. Show and they yeah. closed the doors, so we had to be there on time. We were almost about to miss it, and like the only reason we went in that day was for her matinee show. Like we had planned mm-hmm. hypothetically our whole trip around the show, and yet the two that of us was were actually not- our only plan. Yeah, <laughs> for we the were whole week. not capable of like getting there on time. So the show starts at three. At this point, it's like two forty. I want to say mm-hmm. so twenty minutes to spare. We pull into the parking garage. We get changed. In in the parking garage. Butt and pussy out in the parking garage. <laughs> pussy out. <laughs> we change in the parking garage. I'm like, okay, okay, let's call an Uber so we get there as soon as possible. Because we had Broadway-inspired outfits, obviously, obviously. Which was the most important part. So Mike's was Liza Minnelli-inspired, <laughs> who did star in the original New York, New York. And mine was more a nod to the 40s setting of New York, New York. In fact, it was an actual dress from the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which um, I guess I'll just say the punchline now. Um, midway through the show, the strap broke because it was so old and vintage. And I had to watch the rest of the show with um, my boob almost hanging out because my little strap had um, completely broken off. So anyways, we are getting out of the parking garage. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I call an Uber. We get in the Uber. Um, I don't know. Did anyone know there was traffic in Times Square? Did you know that? <laughs> there was no way to know. It's no. never been portrayed in any films, in any media <laughs> that I've consumed. We were literally like sitting at a standstill <laughs> in the Uber outside of the parking garage for a few minutes. And then I was like, let me just look up how far away the theater is. And it was an eight minute walk. And we were like, oh my God. Four minutes so if you we run. jumped out of 
of the Uber and started. I was like, I'll pay for the Uber. <laughs> yeah. Can you let us out right now? And she was like, what? <laughs> this is the story is going to be all over the place. So <laughs> that is when we got out of the car. And you know what? We ran to the theater. We finally get to the theater. It's 3 p.m. sharp. We're like, we made it. And then we're in line and we're finally there, right? We finally are there. We're in line. The line is moving so slow. We get to Will Call. We're like, we're here with Gabby. Like, she gave us tickets, blah, blah, blah. We're like out of breath. And the lady's like taking her sweet time and she's like, uh, I don't see your tickets here. And we're like, are you fucking kidding me? At this point, we have sat in traffic for five hours, parked in a $60, $60 parking garage, got an Uber, run. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, I don't see. I don't see it. I paid all of the Manhattan tolls. Oh, my God. So, oh yeah, you need a Venmo where it costs me for those. Um, anyways, we finally... <laughs> finally go the lady's like uh, i don't see it for so long and then eventually she's just like oh it's right here we've like i've i've fully convinced myself at this point like somehow we're at the wrong show like yeah the, the tickets are wrong something i feel like we'd made peace with the fact that we just weren't gonna see it <laughs> i made peace with the fact we weren't gonna see the show like hours before when like the eta was like 250 and we were getting into Times square <laughs> Like, I was like, I don't know how logistically we're going to make it into the theater at 3 p.m. But we did. Um, but yeah, so then we basically run in and best seats in the house, friends and family discount, shout out pod favorite Gabby, of course. Mm -hmm. There's one guy standing up and we're like, oh, we're sitting here. And he goes, I know. Why do you think I'm standing up? Look who finally decided to show up. And it's like, you don't even know what we've been through at this point. Yeah. He, he was like, sit down so we can start the yeah. show. And it's like, I don't think uh, <laughs> sitting down is going to determine when the show he starts. He was like convinced okay. that the show was delayed because we were late. And it's like, yeah, were we late? Yeah. But honestly, we did get to the theater on time and then we waited in line and then the lady didn't have our ticket. So it was like, it was a lot of bad. It was a series of misfortunate events. <laughs> Sit down so the show can start. We were like, okay. So anyways, then we got to see Gabby in the show and it was incredible. And then I just want to fast forward mm -hmm. to, well, of course, during the show, um, I was clapping enthusiastically and my strap of my dress completely <laughs> broke off. And then at intermission, I had to walk around with my strap dangling off and like my boob almost falling out. Elkis was cheering so hard. Her dress fell off. And then we go outside and I just want to really record this because that was when I received the best compliment of my life. Do you remember what it was? Oh my God, yes. We were waiting for Gabby and of course she came out. She signed our our playbills play and the other cast members were coming out like the main guy is like kind of a famous actor like tv actor colton ryan that's his name right everyone was coming out and the fans were greeting them and then there was this one guy waiting for the actors to come out and we were like he must be a celebrity he was like super tall really hot like 
not the type of person you are used to seeing IRL if you catch my if drift. you don't live in New York girl and then, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he, I was like he must be in the biz and then Gabby yeah. came out we were talking and then we were leaving and he was like Gabby like bye um and it turned out that he was one of the cast members BFs and he was like, Gabby, bye. Like, great job. And great job, you guys, he said to us. He said, girls, great job. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my God. He thinks we're like Broadway dancers. <laughs> it was the best moment of my life. <laughs> of my life. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my gravestone. Someone thought I was a Broadway dancer one time. Actually, sorry, a two freakishly times. hot guy. Then later we went out to drinks with Gabby's friends and one of them was like, oh, are you like also Broadway dancers to me and Spike? And we're like, what is this amazing world that we live in that someone sees us the most tired ladies to grace this earth and are like, you obviously are a professional Broadway dancer. I'm like, that? My yeah. Anytime I'm having a low self-confidence day, I'm going to say two random people in New York City said, well, one was sure we were in the show, which was <laughs> incredible. Mm -hmm. And then another one said, all right, you guys Broadway dancers too, like looked at us up and down and said, these people could be Broadway dancers. So at this point, I have a strap hanging off of my dress and my tit is almost hanging out as mentioned yeah and I think that because I was like why would they think that we're Broadway dancers we look so tired and bedraggled after this oh, long maybe that's day. why yeah but then I was like oh they think we just dance our asses off in a Broadway show <laughs> of course we're tired and bedraggled and of I was also course. thinking we must really be giving body for them to think that so that's just feeling great I kept about thinking. myself <laughs> self-confidence is at an all-time high I'm still running on that high and we'll be chasing that dragon till the day I die. So. <laughs> and then one thing I did want to say about this show is, of course, it was during Pride Month. But as we did mm -hmm. discuss, every month is Pride Month. So on the back of every single uh, playbill <laughs> was a giant ad for PrEP, which if you don't know, it's kind of like birth control for HIV. Like it helps, it helps people not get HIV. And... So everyone who's like these, like a lot of like stuffy old people who are at this Broadway show are carrying around playbills that have like mm -hmm. a giant like ad that just says prep on it. And it doesn't say on the ad like what prep is for, which I'm like, that's a bad ad. But also the guy who yelled at us, who's like this like mean old guy had this like <laughs> prep playbill. Like everyone was just walking around with these hot pink playbills that just say prep. And I was laughing because it was just like funny to see those people with their big prep ads. But then Spike was like, yeah, we got it. She kept like making jokes like about how we needed to see prep the musical. And I thought she was kidding. And then I was like, oh, no, like she actually thinks this is a musical, which would make sense. It was on the back of a playbill. Well, yeah, no, to be fair, like the back of it, it's a really 
fun looking guy oh, yeah. <laughs> like snapping his <laughs> fingers like... in the air <laughs> and dancing like us no he's dancing and I'm like okay that's gonna be the star of the show and then it says like prep <laughs> in big letters and I was like oh I mean we're at a Broadway musical it must just be advertising for another upcoming Broadway musical and I was like that sounds like a great show and we were saying it's kind of <laughs> I like can't wait to rent see in 2020 three <laughs> yeah so it could kind of be we were thinking like the sequel to rent which is like totally. about hiv and aids like we finally have a cure and treatment so it's like it could be a sequel about living in 2023 and like having safe sex without fear so honestly i would see prep the musical i hope someone develops happy it pride happy pride all year happy prep and yeah, <laughs> and then so that was kind of um, how that first day in the big city did play out. Um, and then we checked into our Airbnb, which was um, definitely owned by an Orthodox family and definitely mm-hmm. in like basically Orthodox Jews like t- usually live like a certain amount of um, distance from the temple so that they can walk to temple on Shabbat Friday slash Saturday. And we were definitely like in that area, which is like, I don't know, like a three block area, like really small. And we Mm -hmm. were about a block away from like the main school and a block away from like the main gathering area. Like we were in Mm -hmm. it. In it to win it. And so that was, a, I would say, a very authentic Brooklyn experience. And as a Jew myself, but a Reformed Jew, I've always had a really intense fascination with Orthodox Jews. Um, so I, you know, we were we were having fun, you know, kind of observing the daily lives of the Orthodox women. We did feel kind of like slores in shorts and t-shirts, but oh I actually, God, yeah. <laughs> I actually wore like a long black skirt and a sweatshirt because I was like, I want to fit in, but I do have bleached hair, so that was not giving Orthodox. Um, and then we. We would frequent the... We weren't in the Hasidic area. So I kind of felt like the girlies wanted to accept us. Like they would wave at us, the like 20-year-old moms. And I was like, hey. Yeah. And then one day when we woke up and we could hear like um, a speaker, there was some kind of like kids convention because I think the like main rabbi was coming to visit, which is a big deal. And we sat on our stoop and just listened to the preaching for like a long time. I was very entertained mm-hmm. and it was like aimed at it kids. Was. And so I feel like this story will stick for, with me forever for some reason. <laughs> I think, I don't know who was preaching, like maybe some lower status rabbi than the main rabbi. It was the opener, we thought. Yeah, he was the opener and he was like, who here has had their mommy have a baby in their belly? And all the kids are like, me, because they all have like 7,000 kids. And then they're like, did you ever think your mommy was going to have her baby and then she had it later than you expected? Well, that's what waiting for the Messiah is like. It's taken too long and the Messiah isn't here yet. And we were like, honestly, incredible metaphor because they all can understand because all of them have had pregnant mommies. Yeah. That was an interesting 
um, enlightening experience. <laughs> yeah, he had so many metaphors that just like that specific group of kids would relate to. It was very interesting. True. I feel like most kids wouldn't relate to that. I know most kids would be like, "What?" But we were sitting on <laughs> we were sitting on the stoop and listening captivated by this speech and then I kind of looked over behind Elkis's head and this guy was like peeping at us in a really scary way and then then I realized oh it's our neighbor who we found out was the neighborhood creep the village creep yeah the village creep and I feel like because we like knew the village creep we kind of got embedded in the community (laughs) (laughs) yeah well the funny thing is that I would see him every time I went outside but Spike wouldn't and then we were both like oh maybe it's because he's stalking me and not you because it was like I never didn't see him like he was always out there so I was just sitting on the stoop as you do in Brooklyn baby and then I was like sitting there I don't know on my phone and then I like went on a walk to get some food and this girl was like hey do you live in that building and I was like no and she was like well that guy's a creep like you need to watch out for him he's a creep and I was like oh I'm just staying in an Airbnb there but thank you and I was like okay girls protecting girls we love to see it so then obviously I texted Mm -hmm. Spike like hey there's a village creep obvious but he he really didn't do anything that bad except just lurk around every time I was out so yeah to us at least but it well no I'm sure he did something (laughs) bad to someone else I guess it's like he's innocent <laughs> this man, he didn't hurt a fly. No, more what I was saying is if we had stayed there longer, I think something bad would have happened. But we made yeah. it out and no, he wasn't I'm, able to do anything scary. Honestly, I never thought I would say I was glad to see the village creep, but I kind of was starting to think it was a figment of Elkis's imagination because she'd always be like, you know that oh guy God. who's always there when you go outside? And I was like, no, I've never seen anyone. But he might have been stopped you to be honest (laughs) yeah yeah and then you saw his head peep over while we were sitting there Mm -hmm. um (laughs) should we talk about some of the other shows besides the orthodox convention show yes so (laughs) basically we went to new york city to see all of our favorite comedians um we are mega fans of the podcast seek treatment that is the only podcast i will shout out on vocally fried because they are so inspiring to me every day of my life um of course, we we planned the whole trip around seeing them, and we of course did not buy tickets ahead of time because we have executive functioning issues. If I'm going to be honest, um, looking for a Type A friend to join the our um, <laughs> kind of podcast, you know, we we need a Type A friend who will be our producer, so someone who's like really on it. Mm-hmm. And um, will tell us if we ever don't record an entire episode, and then also someone who will like kind of schedule things for us ahead of time. Um, I think would be really helpful. Yeah, so we were determined, but not determined enough to buy tickets. I was like, Elkis, do you think we should buy tickets? And you were like, No. Every time I check, none of Cat Cohen's shows are sold out. And then this New York Times article came out with a really good review 
review of Kat Cohen's show and we were like, oh, seek treatment isn't that popular. We don't need to (laughs) get tickets. And then we looked like the day before the show and all sold out. (laughs) All sold out. I think my idea was like, I don't want to commit to a day. So let's just play it by ear. But it's like, I always do that. And then I like don't commit to any day. And then I don't do the thing I want to do. Yeah. But I also always end up getting free tickets because there are always or just like leftover tickets. So yeah, there's always like type A people that change their minds. And then the type B and C people like ourselves get those tickets. I'm type C and my my thing is I know I'm going to change my mind. So I'm always like, why commit? But then sometimes I'm like, why did I put myself in this really stressful situation? So we really wanted to see Kat's show, but we also wanted to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So we <laughs> bought tickets to stand-up show at <laughs> Club Coming, which is where Kat often has shows. And basically before the show at Club Coming, we were like, can we get on the wait list for Kat's show at the box office? Um, at Joe's Pub, where mm-hmm. she's having a residency. And then we bought tickets to Club Coming. Now, when you think Joe's Pub, you probably are thinking like a dingy little pub, right? Mm-hmm. When you think Club Coming, you're probably thinking like nightclub, crazy yeah, booming place. So what was, your, what was your initial impression of those spots, Spike? Well... When we went to Joe's Pub, it's like it's like a very corporate looking huge venue. And we were like, lead. It looks like the Library of Congress. Yeah, similar. Similar. Um And then we we were, we were on the waiting list at Joe's Pub and they were like, OK, we'll text you like right before the show starts. And we were like, well, we're not going to stand around here for hours. So let's just go to the show at Club Coming, which was like a 10 or 15 minute walk away. And I was like ready to go to the club because also there was going to be like a uh, dance party afterwards. <laughs> But we get there and it's kind of like, I would describe it as a speakeasy type of vibe. What what was your impression, Elkis? Yeah, it was kind of like being in a college dorm party. Like it was like standing room for 30 <laughs> So tops. intimate. And <laughs> this, the spookiest part of all was that pretty much everyone in that room we recognized mm-hmm. as a TikTok comedian, mm-hmm. as well as our fave actress who played genie on jury duty was there so it was like all of these like not famous comedians that we personally think of as famous because we're Mm -hmm. fans of this very specific scene of comedy and so we were I felt like I was in college again in like the room Uh, of the coolest people in college but I like didn't want to talk to anyone. The upperclassmen if you will. Yeah like I'm a sophomore I'm at a senior dorm party (laughs) (laughs) Um, no those seniors would never live in a dorm but never anyway so it was just like very intimidating yeah we were being so shy and awkward yeah but life hack for comedy shows we of course are chronically late to everything we go to but if you sit in the back which we never had a choice but to do you will always be in the back with the performers so that was kind of a fun life hack that we did on accident at multiple shows I think that this show it was like too small to have a green room and then but I think one of my main takeaways from our trip was that all of these comedy scenes 
that I think of as so exclusive would be, I think, really easy yeah. to get involved with if we lived there. Yeah, I think so. Because it was like literally 30 people in a room. But yeah, basically the comedy there was, I don't want to make any enemies. I didn't see anything <laughs> I was obsessed with. Um, mm-hmm. And something that was really odd was that this this guy went on stage and he did this bit where he like basically stood in front of the mic for like fifth not I was gonna say 15 minutes it felt like 15 minutes it was probably more like five three to five minutes where he just kind of stood at the audience where people laughed I think like the type of comedy where it's like supposed to make the audience uncomfortable but I don't like being uncomfortable I don't know about Mm -hmm. you guys um I want to feel welcomed and embraced and yeah he did this thing and then he did this bit where it was like the only noise was like adjusting the mic stand really like slowly so it's like squeaking so as this is happening and people are laughing hard so I'm like I guess people like this some people think it's it's a text that says yeah that says you just got off of the wait list for Kat's show at Joe's Pub Mm -hmm. and we bolt out of that place we are running it felt like we were in broad city we're running Mm -hmm. so sweaty so hot we get there they said we almost gave up your spot Mm -hmm. we sit down the opener comes on and what does he do he stands in front of the audience he doesn't talk for a few minutes and then starts to squeakily adjust his mic we saw the same bit at two different comedy shows back to back And both of them, I didn't like. So I was like, this is so confusing. But um, yeah, so I guess that's like a brand of comedy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, people liked it. So no hate. Interesting comedy that I'm not sure it was my brand of comedy. He also sang the ABCs. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we're laughing, so... He was giving choir boy energy. There was this boy in my choir who went by Frank because he like did a 24-7 Frank Sinatra impression. And that was kind of what this guy's vibe was. So, um, you know, Frank was memorable. I'll say that. It was very milady. Very milady. I was surprised he wasn't wearing a fedora. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we got sat at a table with two girls we didn't know, which maybe that's normal. But... They were very rude. So basically, like, the table was, like, a foot and a half across. So, like, it's an intimate cabaret setting, which is one of my favorite settings Mm -hmm. to ever be in. And... We sit down and it's like random girl, me, Spike, random girl. So it's like we're also like we're kind of around them. Mm-hmm. They don't even really look up at us when we sit down, which I think is so. We're like, hey. Yeah. And then like they wouldn't talk to us. And then like when Spike went to the bathroom, they were talking and like gossiping really intensely. And then they realized I was sitting there alone with them. And so one of them just looked at me and went, hi. And I was like, hey, it was so <laughs> weird. Like it was, but basically what we realized was like, because this New York Times article came out about uh, Catherine Cohen's show, um, which we haven't really gone over. Basically, she's she's the OG cabaret star. She sings mm-hmm. and makes up funny songs. She's incredibly talented and has a beautiful voice. Um, so she does kind of stand up comedy and songs. Usually her crowd is like very girls and gays, millennials, Gen Z, millennial. Mm-hmm. Like, like I went to their Seek Treatment live show in L.A., 
And I was like, these are my fucking people. Like LA people are usually so done up. Mm -hmm. It was like the most, it was literally only women and gay men, which is 100% my scene. And everyone was just like really normal looking and sweet, like nice faces, you know? No one in this face, no one in this. <laughs> a kind No, eyes. I didn't see one kind <laughs> eye at Kat's show. We were like, we found the people that like read New York Times reviews and like go to shows. Like yeah. they weren't her fans. Yeah, everyone was like really stuffy and kind of and older. In, like, and we were casual. Like, and there were so many like, how did these people find out about her show? NYT. And then we were like, oh, the culprit is NYT. And they were all like business casual, like straight couples, which is like also not her audience at mm-hmm. all. And I was like, are they? But people are laughing. But I was like, I I feel like her comedy is all about being like a tortured woman. It's just, it's very like goopy girl. Like her whole thing is just like, I'm a mess. Mm-hmm. I'm all over the place. But you know, whatever. I'm also hot and incredible. Yeah. And the girls, it was funny because they were just so rich and so unrelatable. Like we were both like, oh, we're visiting New York to see like Cat Show and other shows. And they were like, yeah, we live in Manhattan. And then one of the girls dropped her key and on her the ground passport. and her passport. And her friend was like, oh, my God, she is so ditzy. Imagine if she'd lost that because we're going to Europe tomorrow. Mind you, those are the only words <laughs> and she I- said to us the whole like two hour show. <laughs> we were yeah. like, totally. I would hate that. Same, and then same, same. Also, like, Kat has this show about being offline and like these girls were literally like live streaming the whole show and then would like check like go back and look at the stories and like check to see who had liked it or seen it which like no offense to cap i'm like how is they were just really addicted to instagram and like on instagram the whole time but i wasn't on instagram during cat's show i was being present yeah i was practicing presence but it was funny because she was singing a song called offline and it's like how there's like a beautiful place that everyone one one wants to go called offline and these girls were heavily online chronically online and then (laughs) we went outside and as we mentioned it was a very stuffy new york times crowd so funny and spike said elkis is that the director of bama rush Which I haven't seen, but you have. And we're 99% sure it was her. So... Yeah, talk about Bama Yeah, just for some context. So probably if you're chronically online, like myself, you remember, like, during the pandemic, probably two years ago at this point, Bama Rush was, like, really big. Mm -hmm. And it would be all about girls who are incoming freshmen at Alabama, Alabama University of Alabama. Or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be confused with Alabama State. Elegance. Is it Alabama State? Um, or is it University? It's of- Univer- okay. U of A. Okay. Anyway. Cool. But like they would just like chronicle the insane things they would have to do to get ready for rush yeah. and the rushing process and everyone became obsessed. And then they made a documentary about it And I was like, okay, it's like two years late. I'm not really interested in this anymore. But, you know, why not watch it? Um, And it was really weird. It starts following like 
five, four or five like young girls who are like preparing to rush. But then, well, they're talking about like racism and the rush process and how it's kind of like this white supremacist institution, especially in the mm-hmm. South. And then at one point, the camera like jerkily like flips around to the person filming and it's the director who like I didn't know who she was um but she is this white woman (laughs) named Rachel Fleet and she has alopecia she flips it around and she's like much like these girls facing challenges while rushing which is like about racism she's like I also rushed just like them not in a sorority but I am a bald girl but what did she rush (laughs) nothing she was was just just trying to make it about her just life she rushed life she goes on to talk about how like when she was a freshman in college she wore like a wig all the time to try to like make it so people didn't know she had alopecia which sounds really sure hard, that was hard like but it has nothing to do with Bama Rush which was the name of the documentary no. and I felt really misled because it ended up just being about her and having nothing to do with rushing because I guess what found what happened circling back to the New York Times is the New York Times like posted an article about the TikTok rumors about the documentary and then it basically got shut down so oh. instead of being like, okay, we don't actually have enough footage was, to make a documentary, uh, she, was, she was like... She didn't want to get sued <laughs> for defamation. I totally yeah. see her point. I, <laughs> I like, empathize. <laughs> no, she was like, we're still going to go through with the documentary, but the second half will just be all about me. Oh, I feel like she should make two doc. Well, she probably had already secured funding, but I would make two short documentaries. Separate. One about alopecia, one about Bamarash. I would watch both but instead everyone was pissed at her yeah but anyways we saw her because i guess even though she has beef with the new york times she read their article and came to cats yes (laughs) yes and then the last comedy show that we saw was um mariposas and Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember the name little field or something was the name of the place it was in gowanus and um that was it was a pride show it was giving it was really good it was really good it was definitely muscle gaze scene so we were kind of checking Mm -hmm. out different comedy scenes the first was very (laughs) club coming um is it gay i think was the name of the show was very liberal arts vibes Mm -hmm. in fact i'm sure we're like one degree separated from everyone in that room and Mm -hmm. then this one was more muscle gaze vibes yeah it was probably the first comedy show I've seen where I was like genuinely laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's interesting is because the writers are on strike. All of these comedians are unemployed right now. And so they're just kind of out doing stand up. So we accidentally kind of went at the best time to see stand up in New York City because um, there was a writer from SNL. We got to see our favorite mm-hmm. comedian, Pat Regan, who's a writer Hacks. on Hacks, but that is, mm-hmm. he's on strike right now. So um, lots of great comedy. Once again, it was, I don't know, there may be like 50 people there. 
I, I don't know why I find those. I think just because I idolize these people, I'm like, even mm-hmm. though they're literally a foot away from me and I could just be like, hey, nice to meet you. Great show. I'm like crippled with fear. Like I feel so no, embarrassed and like I'm just so out of place. But anyways, <laughs> I need to channel the way that I felt when everyone was asking if we were Broadway dancers and yeah. just accept that no one so is from there. <laughs> they all moved there a year ago. And so we in our week-long trip had every right to be there as they did which was very little right (laughs) (laughs) and it was funny because one of the hosts was this like he was a comedian but he was so hot that it was kind of confusing as to why he chose to be a comedian he was also a corporate lawyer which made way more sense yeah he was also a corporate lawyer but I was like you could literally go on Love Island or something (laughs) he was gay Love Island I guess what we're saying is kind of like the other guy you don't see hot people like this no offense to all my friends in seattle um outside of new york or la i just don't come across like Mm -hmm. massive muscly handsome men and i feel like generally i'm i'm not usually very taken aback by men i feel like women stun me constantly but men i'm like Mm-hmm. whatever that guy i was like a liter- he was like a fucking greek goddess i mean god <laughs> <laughs> i mean god no yeah it definitely means a lot when me and elkis are being like wow the hottest right. man because that's not something we say i don't often, think we've ever really know? sat around and been like that guy is so hot <laughs> <laughs> no and it was so funny like i thought it was really funny what elkis said because well this comedian one of his jokes was about how he came out when he was like 27 and he'd been like pretending or trying to be straight his whole life because he grew up catholic but to the point that he proposed and was engaged to his girl fiance his girl fiance and after the show I was like but don't you think that's kind of fucked up that's really shitty and then Elkis was like well don't you think if you were that hot your sexuality would be really confusing because everyone and their mother would be trying to fuck you and I was like yeah you have a point <laughs> compact <laughs> you feel like I mean I'm I know I'm hot to everyone so who do I choose so who is hot to so me so who is hot to I do not know. And I'm sure his ex-fiance was probably the hottest woman alive, too. You know what I mean? He could probably get the hottest. This is turning into a bro podcast. I'm like, he could definitely get the hottest girl. So why wouldn't <laughs> he? man hog in the morning <laughs> So why wouldn't yeah. he get the hottest his, girl? His ex-fiance was M-Rata. Yeah. M-Rata. I will say I stalked him and his boyfriend of four years is also really sexy. So makes perfect sense. That's hot <laughs> that's um hot. should we should we go through our ins and outs or nyc we have ins kind and of outs? already gone through the stories behind these so we're gonna kind of quickly just kind of mm-hmm. list them off in obviously prep the musical if anyone's um knows mm-hmm. any f- investors i would love to put that on um mm-hmm. in is supporting local businesses like chocolate which was a orthodox establishment next to our place that was open 24 hours a day and we would go there at 2 a.m and it would be full of orthodox men who were partying the fucking night away we also frequented g's caribbean cuisine yes. because 
because we were kind of also like on the border of the Caribbean neighborhood. And in obviously Catherine Cohen and Pat Regan, our fave comedians, mm-hmm. um, in all the shows we went to, Club Coming, Joe's Pub, Mariposas. Um, and then we also just went to the Bell House, which um, we always hear about Brooklyn comedians talking about. And mm-hmm. it was way bigger. Everything was not <laughs> as I expected. Everything was like a different type of venue than we'd imagined yeah. in our little heads. Like when I think house, I'm thinking of like a quaint little bar and it was like a warehouse. It was giving like Portland, yeah, Oregon it was kind of, going out. Like, it wasn't like a cool industrial warehouse. It was kind of like a barn vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and that was also, I think like the weirdest thing about Brooklyn is like, I live in a neighborhood in Seattle that's kind of the Brooklyn of Seattle, like very queer and mm-hmm. trendy. But people are kind of like at least like 20s through 40s, I would say. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, you look around and like every single person was born in 1996. <laughs> like, Yeah, it was scary. And so when we went to the first show at Club Coming, I was like, OK, I'm in college right now. And then we went to the Bell House. It was like everyone was our age. But um, it felt like a high school dance because all of the lights were on and they were playing like low by Lil Wayne and it was just like we were like sitting in the hallway by Flo Rida oh my god <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> so fucking embarrassing. Or, no, they were playing like all of the songs from when we were in middle school, and then everyone not was to loving jump it. to out so quickly. But we were saying because this happened to us in Baltimore too. We went out dancing, and it was all like house remixes of middle school songs and me and Elkis were being like there are good songs from like the past five years that you could be playing maybe I'm like the only person in the world who's obsessed with hyperpop I know that's not true but I'm like how in New York City is there not a hyperpop bar especially during Pride Week Mm -hmm. Um, and then another thing I want to say that is in is that we stumbled upon we were like well it's Pride so we should go to like a queer bar um, and see what's happening there after our like five shows we were literally walking like 12 miles a day just mm-hmm. just hopping venues trying to find the right vibe found this queer bar um ginger's bar we go in and i'm like what do i see before my eyes a gay bar that is not full of men in fact it was full of women it was so it was nice so refreshing i was like <gasps> God, there is a lesbian bar in Seattle, but just the the people at Ginger's Bar were really cute and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just had a really nice welcoming environment. So definitely shout out if you live in Brooklyn, definitely go to Ginger's Bar. I loved it. We Did we get yeah. moldy cider? Yeah. <laughs> we, we did get cider that had gone bad and tasted like apple cider vinegar. But Because I feel like that only happens when there's like a brew ski on top that no one drinks. And I was um, like, how are we at a lesbian bar? But no one's drinking this cider and telling the bartender that it's rotten. That's a good point um but i but we did define stereotypes (laughs) we we told her that the cider was rotten and we did get some more so proud of ourselves for standing up 
for ourselves and not drinking a cup of apple cider vinegar. Elkis also told me, not a fun fact, a sad fact, that that was one of the 23 lesbian bars in the entire U.S. Yeah, they say that a lot at um, Wild Rose, which is in Seattle, that it's one of 23. We are one of the 23. Last standing. Last standing. So make sure to frequent your local lesbian (laughs) bar if you happen to have one, which you probably don't. (laughs) (laughs) They're probably like five in Brooklyn. They're all in Brooklyn. Yeah, they're all in San Francisco. God. (laughs) All right. So what is out, my dear, dear Spike? Well, as we already mentioned, driving your car into Times Square. That's a big no-no. Something else that's out is gentrification restaurant food, which we should have known. But the problem with me and Elkis, which is also why we need a type A friend addition to the pod. If you're a type A friend who who would like to be just kind of our full-time unpaid um, manager. Yeah, like coordinator, (laughs) like life life <laughs> wait you know what we need a case manager shit that's yeah. spike's job I can't, but you manage yeah. enough cases that how can you be trusted to manage your own head case my own case <laughs> a, yeah you gotta manage your head case no it's honestly comical that that's my job because i'm not very good at yeah, it yeah you're like oh i just um, find resources <laughs> for people and like help them schedule doctor's appointment i help them like fill out paperwork but i can't fill out I'm any like, paperwork oh, wow. for myself <laughs> that's odd <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quirky. But anyways, we kept like, obviously, you're like New York City, best restaurants in the world. But something that I didn't think about is that more than best restaurants, there's just way more restaurants than, than in other places. Every weird idea is there because it's like, it's mm, so oversaturated yeah. that you can just be like, I'm going to have like a matcha inspired <laughs> I don't even know what I'm gonna say a matcha inspired <laughs> juice bar which sounds which actually good. sounds good okay never mind but- <laughs> No, but we kept going into random places without looking up reviews or doing any research. And I am not exaggerating at all. I had the worst food I've ever eaten in my life, like this past week. I'm so sorry that happened <laughs> it was to you. really bad. Like, the problem was the local places we went, like Choco Latte, the Orthodox <laughs> Cafe we, and, like, we will continue to shout out G's and chocolate. We were like, those were obviously good, but then the places that were like very aesthetic gentrification, gentrification. restaurants that looked like cute with like weird logos and stuff that we just like would walk into, they would be so bad. Like, I got the worst bowl of mush. I've ever had in my life and it had like decaying salmon in it and then we also got coffee with curdled milk the salmon was past its prime no and I was so I felt like I was just shoveling slop (laughs) straight down my throat and trying not to taste it at all because I it's also (laughs) it's also so expensive I had I spent $22 so I was like I have to eat this whole thing 
We did have moldy food at like more than one or Multiple. like food that was like gone bad. Like we had curdled milk and that and then and that cider that had gone bad. Yeah, multiple so, times. Yes, I've they never They need to used do Yelp. some QAing on themselves, these restaurants. I know. Yeah, the scariest on our block, we were like, <laughs> our block. We can't go to on our block. We're like, we can't go to Daughters, which had like the craziest, like, you know, it's a gentrification spot if it has insane graphic design. <laughs> and it was like, Daw on one line, Turs, and then Brooklyn and then on another New line. Like, it was York. like New NYC. <laughs> and it was like with like arrows pointing to all the letters. And it's like, what is going on here? And we were trying not to go there because it was like so obviously like the hub for like the gentrifiers. And then we were just kind of on the run and we're like, well, we can just get coffee there. We go in. <laughs> what I see is something I've never seen in my seen in my life. There's basically like six Brooklyn <laughs> stoops in a row. Just like and dropped like, into a restaurant. Yeah, much like being on the set of Sex in the City, but only the stoop. Because it's part. like there's nothing behind the door because it's a set. It would just be like a stoop yeah. poking out of a wall. Right. Everything was so aesthetic and nothing was practical. It was like so, so everyone is sitting there, not a smile, not a laugh. I here i'm like how can you be taking yourself seriously working from home on a fake stoop in a restaurant and my back immediately started hurting it's like i would never choose to work from like a cement step. no that's why people like, don't work on their computers on their actual stoop on their it's not comfortable and next to the stoop like on the like where the railing kind of part would be there's like literally a garden because <laughs> they want it to be as realistic as po possible there is nowhere to put your coffee so they haven't thought that through and there was nowhere to put your food mm -hmm. so you you have to like balance your food and coffee kind of on your lap or like on the side of the garden then they give us the mug this is the worst part it's like a homemade pottery mug that's like a bowl and doesn't have a handle and it's too hot to hold and there's nothing to grip then you take that and put it on the <laughs> stoop it's like okay it really felt like an episode of search party no, i'm like i think this is a bit like this is, is funny and then i was like are we being filmed just, right now like is this an I actual know. joke and everyone was just sitting there working in their stoops without any like tables or chairs i'm and like you have got to be kidding me of course me. the food was horrible elkis got well also the reason why we went there was for some reason oh, it was that is why we went. really hard to find gluten-free stuff for elkis which is weird because there's so many gentrification in a gentrification there, so. city <laughs> but um we were like oh they'll probably have something gluten-free and they had these muffins but they were like dry probably past their prime black. yeah the muffin was black it was a banana muffin and it was black as night entire <laughs> almonds like balanced on top of the muffin <laughs> like zero effort like, went into this like i think you should slice those almonds and then and, oh my i kept eating stuff with like green goop slathered all over it like the goop yeah. seaweed tacos and oh, then we got vegan tacos and like the cons I love tofu, but the consistency of the tofu was like, I don't even know, like clay. Yeah. And then it had like, like green slime on top of it. It was like very experimental. Oh. 
And none of it tasted like a taco should taste like no. they had like thrown in really random ingredients. Oh, I, I'm getting the shivers thinking and about then the it. And the thing that I got at Dahater was also like a focaccia covered in green slime. I was like, what are we doing here, folks? Like, hey, everybody, let's wake up. My theory, which is pretty dark, is that the reason they do that is... So food is so disgusting that people don't want to eat and they don't have to buy Ozempic and they can just starve themselves because the food is so disgusting. Or you can go to G's, which was the best. Anyway, I feel like an example, because we were talking about how everything is so oversaturated, but it's also like you have everything. So it's like, where's the hyper pop bar? And I was like, yeah, I saw this TikTok that was like, New York has anything. So you can like look up like bookstore cafe <laughs> and like you'll find one and spike was like that is like the most common business in any city and i was like that is so true so whenever we go into we books, have those. Yeah. <laughs> you're like i even know about that so anytime we'd go into a bookstore cafe we'd be like only in new york will you find this <laughs> no it was interesting because there's so much in new york but it's also so spread out and there's also a lot of bad stuff because it's just like quantity over quality. And so we were like, if we lived here, we'd probably know what was good. But since we mm-hmm. were just visiting and going into random places, like it kept we not working slop. out for us. <laughs> <laughs> we were eating slop. Anything else that's out? Things that are out, uh, rats screaming. Oh we did hear a rat Terrifying. screaming. We weren't sure if they were screaming in pleasure or pain, and we'll never really know. And like comically loud um, tapping. And <laughs> we, uh, yes, the Williamsburg and Greenpoint gentrification vibes were pretty scary. Went into some like very like concerningly bougie Mm -hmm. and to steal this phrase from Todd Gond pod favorites mother um (laughs) there's a lot of very black mirrored things that I saw like everything felt a bit too futuristic and it was so obvious that they were just like actively displacing people to make the like most fancy like trendy I don't know why I can't think of any yeah examples for anything but like one example was Right after Gabby's show, we all went to Greenpoint because there was this block party and it was like super trendy block party with like DJs and everyone was like 27 years old, the most stylish person from LA that you've ever seen. And then above the party, there was a elaborate climbing gym and I was like what is happening (laughs) I didn't even really process that I will say another thing that we went to that was like very it was I mean it was kind of black Mm -hmm. mirror because there would be some kind of dark twist on it we saw a tiktok that was like go to this queer library at Aesop (laughs) and it was like so (laughs) obvious that like someone was like Pride is too corporate. We need to decapitalize pride or whatever the word would be for that. So instead of selling anything, they like created this like really elaborate like it was like a room like we weren't in an Aesop store from yeah what I can and for tell, anyone right? who doesn't know it's like a really fancy like lotion skin hair body care store when I 
get three raises, I will buy myself a sop. It is like the most yeah. like luxurious they don't have it in Baltimore. lotion. And- <laughs> <laughs> it smells so good. Yeah. But you you go in there and it's like the lotion is like $70 for a tube. But yeah, we went in there and they weren't selling any of their products, but you could wash your hands with $70 soap. <laughs> so you wait in line, they give you a QR code and... I mean, it was cool, but it's definitely like, it's like they're handing out free books by queer authors and you just get to take one home. They're like completely brand new books, but it's like, it's not charity because it's like to people like us who do not need free books. Like they're not like doing any kind of outreach. It's like you're already on the bougiest street that exists in Williamsburg. And then they're like, come in, we're going to play Zen music. We're going to have incense burning. And then you're going to take a free book. And then it was like brought to you by Aesop X, the ACLU. So I'm like, (laughs) like did the ACLU fund this like book handout? Yeah. And then Elkis, when I was trying to eat my $22 slop, Elkis made up a story to try to distract me about the origins of that event and how it was because they had a really shitty manager who was trying to just put up rainbow flags for pride. And then the queer employees stepped in and said, no, you're being a fake ally. <laughs> so to clarify, this was an improvisational story. <laughs> made not truth. <laughs> so that Spike could finish her disgusting meal. <laughs> Basically, the story that I concocted was that This they-them person was getting misgendered constantly by their boss at Aesop. And then that boss, of course, classically, just wanted to put up pride flags everywhere. And they were like, this is freaking performative activism. Mm -hmm. Like, you better get out there. Rainbow capitalism, bitches. Yeah, they said no more rainbow capitalism. We're giving out shit for free and you can't even sell anything because that would be problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of in my mind how this event came to be. And also in my mind, the ACLU funded 50% of it, which seems truthful. I hope is not true. (laughs) But in my mind, it's true. Um, But yeah, I I need to start my book. Um, I don't know why I didn't like read. I was like, oh, this seems like a cool book. And now I'm like, I think I got erotica, which I'm excited to read. But because I was so like overwhelmed in this environment, I didn't read any of the like reviews. Here's the reviews. Tight. Eileen Miles. Hot. Maggie Nelson. Smut. The New Yorker. I'm like, oh, I got full-on erotica which i'm excited to read (laughs) (laughs) i just like didn't even notice i was like oh i got a book about like a trans woman and then i like read that that's what's on the cover is like smut hot tight i'm like oh okay i completely misjudged this book (laughs) so um it's called politics the form of a mortal girl girl (laughs) and i I shall report on it later and I'm excited to read some queer smut we should definitely report back we could have a book club segment when we read our books (laughs) mine if anyone's read it let me know if it's good it's called last night at the telegraph club and it's it's about to women who fall in love at a lesbian bar in Chinatown in San Francisco during like Red Scare paranoia. Aww. That's like the setting. 
That sounds good. Um, we should switch somehow. <laughs> our, yeah. our Aesop queer library. If our project manager can facilitate that. If, if, <laughs> tell me how the post office works. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so other things that are out are, of course, um, the creep next door. <laughs> and Not to be confused with the, the girl we- next door. <laughs> with the go- well, that's me. Yeah. The, the New York Times crowd, no. which was randomly at Catherine Cohen's show. Um, and then just kind of the overwhelm of the options. Mm-hmm. And I hope to God, if you live in Brooklyn and you're listening to this, you're not like, these are the dumbest people alive. And I'm just going to do a disclaimer and say, we're probably wrong about everything. We were only um, there for so. a few days and we were also... Yeah. <laughs> we Something that's out is thinking that you can work from home and go on a trip. Yeah, I need, I need to... I'm literally doing that right now. I need yeah, to stop. Sorry, Elkis. I know that Being you're a still digital nomad. in the trenches with that. <laughs> it's so hard to have a remote job where I can <laughs> literally travel constantly and work wherever I am. No, but like I literally... I mean... I need a new job if anyone has a job opportunity, DM us. But I literally work until like 8 p.m. and then the day's over. And so sadly, would have liked to see more of the Big Apple. <laughs> yeah, there was one day that Spike was working and I wasn't. And so I took myself on like a day-long walking tour, oh, which was very fun. To the Brooklyn Museum, to right? No, I actually just walked the entire day. <laughs> I didn't. I basically didn't stop anywhere. I don't know why. I was just feeling feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I say something else that's out? Yes. Uh, Shavasana in Times Square oh, is out. Shavasana in Times Square. I got a targeted ad to do yoga in Times Square, which actually sounds like the most horrific thing ever to find peace in a hopeless place. <laughs> to find love in a hopeless place. Truly. And so doing Shavasana in Times Square out. Yeah, I would say that's out. Something that's in is of course the reboot of Sex and the City and just like that. Yeah. And the first two episodes have dropped which stay tuned for more on that. Mm-hmm. We cannot even begin to discuss that right now. Would you say the Hatzala is in or out? I'm going to say that they're out just because I know so basically the Hatzala is like a, the volunteer police force for the Orthodox community we were stationed in our Airbnb um, literally <laughs> literally right next to their hub which was just basically being parked on the sidewalk um, and so it was so so loud yeah um, it's kind of wild I mean they're a very like odd autonomous community in a lot of ways very like insular and so like in a way I think maybe it's a good example for like having unarmed yeah unarmed police and like they legally can't like arrest people so like we're reading about them and they'll like just kind of surround people like they can't like arrest them or even really touch touch someone that would be like that's assault. assault so I think it's cool in that way I think they're out for me because I know that they the police are obviously extremely flawed, but like a lot of Orthodox communities refuse to call 911. So they're able to like silence and hide a lot of like domestic abuse and child abuse and like pedophilia and stuff that happens um, because they instead call their police force, which is probably like their dad's brother. And then they like keep things really hush hush. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> like it could be an example for like, a, uh, it's still extremely problematic. So I guess ACAB all the way is what I'm saying. Yeah. ACAB includes Hatsala, even though they just surround you. <laughs> Something that's out is Spike getting locked out of our Airbnb. Um, God. As mentioned, um, we were next to the Hatsala hub so she was outside screaming apparently and like honking her horn on her car (laughs) trying to get my attention and I literally didn't hear a thing because it was so loud and then how did you get into the apartment Spice? Oh my god so another thing which it was very foolish of us to drive. We probably should have just taken the bus because... Yeah, I don't know why we did that, but... <laughs> yeah, when you park in Brooklyn, there's, like, street cleaning every other day at different times. So you have to, like, move your car early in the morning every day. And I was doing that, and I was like, I'll just be in and out. I don't really need my phone or anything on my person. <laughs> and so I, like, went reparked my car was coming back in and then I realized I didn't know the door code and so I was like screaming to Elkis and trying to make a scene and banging on the front door (laughs) thinking maybe our hosts would hear me it was also stressful because it was like 10 minutes before we were supposed to check out and I still needed to pack all of my stuff. Mm. And then after about 20 minutes of that, I decided to try to open the door (laughs) (laughs) and it was unlocked. So that was how I got in. And I felt like a fool. (laughs) You were like, I was honking my horn as a last resort. And I was like, I think your last resort was trying the door. And it worked. And it magically worked. (laughs) And magically. Embarrassing. Oh, that's okay. All right. Is that everything we learned in Brooklyn? I think so. I mean, there's always more, but maybe for the sake of time, we should move on. So, Spike, what was the goopiest thing you did this week? I feel like there was a lot. Something, well, I'll just talk about yesterday and today. (laughs) I have this bag that I bought with Elkis, and it's like a tote bag that says bag lady on it and there's like a very meta very meta and there's like a little picture of a lady and it's like super cute and I got it recently when we were in Santa Barbara and I spilled kombucha the mango kombucha all in the bottom so it was like stained orange and I was at um, Rocket's house and he was like that's okay pod boyfriend boyfriend. (laughs) he was like that's okay I'll just throw it in the laundry with my stuff did it shrink well yeah and he was like we just have to remember not to dry it and I was like oh yeah it should be easy of course we'll remember I'm very good at remembering (laughs) but I guess it was like a few hours later and I was like hey like we should probably take that stuff out of the washing machine and he was like oh I already dried it and I was like did you take my bag out and he was like no 
And so now it's like a mini, mini, mini. I've had that happen before. That's how I knew it would happen. I can still use it, but it's like abnormally small. (laughs) And I'm yeah, it's a mini bagu now. No, I've literally done the exact same thing. And Um, I was like depressed because I also watched at the same time as that happened. We were watching the new episode of The Idol, which is actually the creepiest show I've ever seen. you need to stop watching it no we did we stopped we were like watching someone get abused as part of like an occult initiation thing and like rocket just turned it off and was like we're not gonna watch this (laughs) censorship honestly it needs to be censored and then i was being sad girl because of my miniature bag And then to make matters even goopier, last night I was also like, we're going through Rocket's fridge, like throwing out moldy and expired food. And I was also like throwing away like stuff that I'd left at his house. Mm -hmm. And I have two notebooks that I use for work. One of them was like full and I just needed to get rid of them. And one of them I started recently and I was like, oh, I'll throw away my notebook that's like already done. And so I threw it in the trash and then we threw away a bunch of like moldy food on top of my notebook. And then this morning when I logged on to work, I realized that I had thrown away the notebook that I needed with all of my the current notebook, the story. Yeah. And it had all of my current like <sighs> oh, notes no. about my current like clients that I needed to call today. Oh, no. So I had to dig through like all of this oh. moldy stuff in the trash to get it and I'm sadly still using it after that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. What was yours? <laughs> Mine are pretty bad, too. Um, I went to a bachelorette weekend woo, in upstate New York, and I am still in upstate New York until the wedding, which is this upcoming weekend. So Stranded and Upstate is the name of my memoir. (laughs) Um, And my bit about bachelorette parties is that it's going to a vacation with a bunch of people you don't know. True. So kind of weird, like to be like kind of stuck with like 10 people you don't know for a weekend. And you're supposed to like be like doing crazy shit and like partying, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's also like you want to get comfortable really fast, but well, the first, so we did all get really drunk Friday night woo, in Alexandria <laughs> Bay, which is this random town in upstate New York. And it was biker weekend. So there were a lot of like scary, like Patriot Front bikers everywhere. And we were like running around being idiots, of course. Um, so that was very interesting. But we got back and I like woke up like hungover the next morning and I went Of course, I just plopped all my stuff in the hallway and my bag with my bridesmaid dress was like soaked. Like the whole bag was soaked. No. I pull it out and like it was like dripping wet and I was like, oh my God. And then someone's like, oh yeah, the cooler was there and it was leaking. And it's like 
My whole thing is I'm always like, what are the chances? But I'm like, I guess like a type A person would immediately hang up their bridesmaid dress and not throw it on the ground. Was in a the bride mad about it? No, she's an extremely goopy girl. So she would never be mad. It was more just like, no fucking way that like, this is the one thing that got wet from the cooler is my entire, I have to get it dry cleaned. <laughs> and then since I've been traveling for the past two weeks, I haven't been able to do laundry. So I like, I don't, I literally had the thought, like, I should ask someone, like, can I do laundry? But I was mm-hmm. like, Elkis, just do it. Like, you just need to get your laundry done. I do the laundry. We like leave for the day. We come back. The whole washing machine is full of water and all of my clothes have been soaking in it all day. No. And I'm like, I'm so embarrassed that I'm like, um, hey, so I tried to do a load of laundry and someone's like, oh, you didn't know the washer's broken. And I'm like, no. why don't I like look into these things? Like, I was like, okay. And then everyone was like rallying behind me. I will say it was like a very, it was a very like accepting crowd. Like no one made me feel like everyone was like, don't worry about it. Don't. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. At this point, my bridesmaid dress is soaking wet, hanging up. Now all of my clothes that I have are soaking wet. And so someone like found me a bucket to like hand wash my clothes in. And then, and I was like literally very in the medieval. Because no, they were all just sitting in soapy water all day. So I hand wash my clothes and I'm like hanging things around the house and I was like everyone was like the theme for the week is like you with soaking clothes and then someone was like oh I'll put your bra to hang outside which I should have been like no it there was a rainstorm so my bra was just outside soaking wet so I literally like just had like wet clothes like covering this house with like people I don't know And it was just funny because I feel like you've seen this happen. People always like react in this way when I do stuff like this, like, oh my God, like, and I'm like, no, like, this is my life. Like, I'm really unfazed. I'm just more like mad at myself because I I know that I do stuff like this and I'm trying to be better, but it's obviously not working. But it was just like, someone was like, trying so hard to help me wash my clothes and they were like are you stressed and I was like no I'm really like not stressed I'm more just like embarrassed than anything yeah no I feel like that's why we travel well together (laughs) because we don't get like freaked out when one of us does something like that one of us says let's drive into Times Square 10 minutes before the show we're going to start And then uh, also the collective goopiest thing we did together <laughs> since our whole Baltimore goopy. episode was deleted into the ether um, <laughs> is that Spike is a famous pescatarian, um, mostly vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And we were like, classic Baltimore thing to do is so Maryland to get crabs. And we get there and the lady's like, so do you want a dozen or a half dozen? And I'm like looking at her like, I was expecting honestly one crab. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking we'd get one crab or two crabs, maybe one. And each. everyone else like knew what they were doing. It was very confusing. And none of the prices were listed. It was all market price. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we finally are like, let's get the cheapest amount just so we can experience the crabs. We get six crabs. That's three each. Mm-hmm. That's and the minimum. A hammer. That's the minimum and a hammer. (laughs) And we're sitting there for hours banging these poor little crabs' (laughs) brains in. And it was like so depressing and upsetting. It was horrible. 
the like, worst thing I've like ever done. I felt like I was just committing a crime, just banging their little... And you'd, like, look in their mm-hmm. face, and then you'd have to bang their skull in. Mm-hmm. And it was so scary. And then, and then once you bang their face in, you'll get to the brain, which was... <laughs> honestly so disturbing and then we were bringing this up with people who like live in baltimore and like eat crabs regularly and they're like oh yeah that's called the mustard it's so good and we're like the brain (laughs) is the mustard you're supposed to eat it apparently yeah and so it was just like it was so much work for such little reward like the amount of meat you got was so minuscule and then the amount of banging in their school <laughs> you did was so maximus what's the opposite <laughs> of minuscule <laughs> majorly massive um, majorly fucked up and they were like encrusted with like seasoning so it was like you just had like seasoning and like crab juice old like bay represent old Bay, um, you're my old bay. <laughs> True. Definitely the goopiest thing. And we really needed, again, our type A friend there. We needed someone who knew what they were doing because I don't think we were doing it in the most efficient or normal way. We were kind of just going at it with our with our mallets, which just felt very feral and disturbing. <laughs> like we were on a deserted island, just just eating anything yeah. in sight. I felt like it was we were on a deserted island, and it was like our last resort before death. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, to many, that's like the best meal on earth. I, <laughs> I was so like, confusing. I don't get it. <laughs> So that's also out is crabs, banging crabs and getting six crabs when you really just wanted one to experience it. And Mm -hmm. we would have had one been like, that was awful. I don't ever want to do that again. But it was like, we don't want to waste the crabs. So it was like, okay, one down, five to go. (laughs) It was horrible. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I think that's all of my goopy things. Do you have anything else to add, Spikealicious? I think we should probably wrap up this episode. I think so too. So don't forget to follow me at Late Night Elkis on Instagram and follow Vocally Fried Duh on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok at Vocally Fried Pod. And follow me, Spike, at Intrusive Thought on Instagram. And mostly, thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening to, to Vocally Fried. Fried. Yeah.